the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Courageous Christianity, a public nonprofit ministry equipping Christian warriors for the spiritual battlefield. The intersection of our faith and the world is a battlefield strewn with debris of a fallen world that challenges even the hardiest souls. And yet, this intersection is the context of our faith. As courageous Christian warriors, we must navigate this difficult terrain in our personal walk and as we seek to bring Christ to those who are lost and struggling. Friends, welcome and thank you for joining us on Courageous Christianity, a radio show and podcast about real faith for the real world. I'm Richard Mendelow, and as always, I'm joined by and so grateful for my wedded wingman, Christy Mendelow. And hello, everyone. I'm so grateful to be here and so excited about today's show. And if you're wondering why I call her a wingman, vice a wingwoman, it's because on our very first show, she asked, shouldn't she be a wingwoman? And I said, we're not going to change a hundred years of naval aviation to call her a wingwoman. She is my absolute right hand, and I thank God for her. As Christians, according to Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen, and 20, our mission is to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. At Courageous Christianity, we're devoted to helping to equip you to accomplish your mission. You've often heard me say, about the intersection of our faith and the secular world, that it is critical ground. Each time life brings us into contact with another human being, there's a classroom where somebody will be changed. And these engagements are an amazing opportunity to shine the light of Christ into this world. And I understand that sometimes this intersection is daunting. At the same time, if we step away from this intersection for whatever reason, all of that opportunity goes away. Well, today we have a very special guest whose crucial perspectives will help to make this intersection less scary, less risky, and more fruitful for the kingdom of God. Greg Kokel is the author of numerous books which provide insight into these opportunities which take place at home, at work, at the grocery store, and anywhere else God may arrange a meeting. You may remember that we talked about one of his books called Tactics a few weeks ago. And Pastor Ryan from Pillar Church introduced me to Greg's work at a Sunday morning Bible study, and I was so taken with it. I'm grateful to Pastor Ryan, who is here with us, and also to Greg, who's our honored guest today. Greg, welcome. Well, it's very flattering to be among fellow soldiers fighting the good fight and including the wedded wingman so to speak. That's the first for me, Christy, so great to be on with all of you. Thank you so much. Friends, before we begin, I'm going to ask Pastor Ryan to pray for us. I'd love to. Father, we thank you so much for today, and God, we thank you for this opportunity 
Lord, to be uh, used as your vessels, Lord, with uh, just as your ambassadors with this message of reconciliation. Lord, I pray that you would be with us in our conversation, that you would have your way with us today. And Lord, may you be glorified through everything that we say, and let this be a blessing to all who hear. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Friends, Amen. I, I want you to imagine that you can't sleep, and you're up late at night, and you start reading a book, and uh, shortly thereafter, you're having a conversation with that author. And it's just so amazing because I just got back from Tokyo, and whenever you're in Tokyo and you're on Houston time, you do not sleep. And so, true story, I was up at 1 a.m. reading Greg's book, and it was my second read-through, and it's just so fantastic. I can't tell you what an honor it is to have him with us. Greg, I wonder if we could begin by asking what brought you to write Tactics and Street Smarts? Before I say it, I just want to remark, I'm so glad, Richard, you didn't say that when you're really sleepy, like you were, <laughs> pick up a book that Kokel has written, and it will solve that problem. I was oh, going to ask that question, yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> well, the, the, it, the reason I, I wrote the book, I guess to put it simply, is it was an outworking of what I had um, been practicing in my own life over a long period of time. In other words, an approach that I developed little by little, boots on the ground, as it were. I've spoken in more than 90 college and university campuses, both here and abroad. Uh, I've been on interactive talk radio for, I'm just approaching my 34th year now. And uh, in fact, I think that this week is my anniversary. And so um, I've just had lots of experience talking with people about challenging issues, people who are challenging Christianity on a number of levels, whether it's the substance of Christianity, whether it's why we think any of these things that are bizarre to them are actually true, whether it's ethical issues that flow naturally from a Christian worldview. Um, I'm dealing with that all the time, and as you know, when you're out boots on the ground, you're under fire, well, you, you learn how to dodge the bullets. And um, in a certain sense, uh, and not only that, but to make progress in the whole process moving forward. And so uh, what I ended up developing in those environments is a an approach to engaging people in a way that is productive, um, but also genial. In fact, I don't even like to talk about evangelism anymore, because most of the time, it's a biblical word, obviously, and a biblical concept, but lots of times we talk about evangelism, the images that are conjured up in our minds are pictures of conflict, you know. We're having fights with people because we're telling them they're wrong about their views and we're right about our views. And that's always been the case, but now we've got an environment that is much more hostile than ever before. And so what I prefer to, uh, the way I prefer to position all of the, 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 the approach that, that I recommend in my books is as an ambassador, because that's also a biblical motif. And Paul says in Second Corinthians 5, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were speaking through us, be reconciled through Christ to God. And so I like the genial diplomacy aspect 
of being an ambassador. And that's the way I like to think of my engagements and the approach that I've taken in both the tactics book and now the more recent Street Smarts, which is kind of an extension of tactics, is meant to give us the tools, give Christians the tools, pass on what I've learned to them in a very practical way and in a very um, transferable way, very usable way, so that they can begin to radically improve their capability of having productive conversations on spiritual matters with people who disagree with them. I think that is so um, fantastic. And friends, what I really think you would be amazed at is, Greg said, tools. His books are filled with user-friendly, everyday, this is something I can use tool. Yeah, for sure. And I got to tell you, uh, Greg, there's some amazing things that you say and uh, not uh, not to need a spoiler alert or anything, but I was just talking to Pastor Ryan, and one of the things I said that I loved from Street Smarts is when you say, questions allow us to easily get out of a conversation if we don't like the direction it's going. Mm-hmm. And because we can easily get out of the conversation, we're not so afraid to get into the conversation. Right. And mm-hmm. that is just such a brilliant thing because, you know, you said it. The world is very poised to attack, poised to be defensive, poised to feel judged. And mm-hmm. so it's very hard to enter into some of these conversations without stepping on one of those landmines. But mm-hmm. to use questions, to ask questions out of genuine curiosity, and then to listen carefully to the answer, not with an eye toward right. reloading, but with an eye toward uh, this reconciliation. Um, Christy, I think it's an amazing opportunity. So I love questions and always want to learn more about them. So I'm interested in finding out more when you say, uh, Greg, that it helps people get out of the conversations. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah. You mentioned earlier, um, Richard, that this is a daunting enterprise. And the fact is there are giants out there, right? And sometimes we feel like grasshoppers in our own sight, you know, like in the Book of Numbers and the spies that went out. But um, those giants can be shrunk down to size. And this is a point I make. Yeah, it's a challenge, but it's not as bad as you think. If you have a, 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 a game plan, essentially, and, and my game plan entails using questions in very particular ways, okay? And in Street Smarts, I have a chapter titled, Questions Keep You Safe, all right? And it's one of the virtues of questions. It does a lot more for us, as, as I talk about in the book, but they keep you safe, all right? And one of the ways that they keep you safe is that, as you mentioned, it makes it easier to get out of a conversation. Now, how how could it be easier to get out of the conversation if you're already engaged in the conversation? Think about it. If you're just using questions, questions to draw other people out about their spiritual beliefs, what those beliefs are, why they hold those beliefs, if you get to a point where you feel uncomfortable or can't go any further... (laughs) You could just stop asking the questions. Notice at this point in the conversation, you're not invested at all in the discussion theologically from your own side. By the way, when you don't make claims from your own side, especially early in the conversation, you have nothing that you have to defend. That's one way of keeping you safe. Hmm. You don't have to defend. 
okay? And uh, if you are just asking the other person questions, then it's you can stop anytime you want, all right? Here's the illustration in the book, and this is a, a true, it's not an illustration, it's an anecdote. I was working for about 10 days down in Paraguay, and I had a long flight back. This is uh, 2019, and I was it was the middle of the night, and I landed in um, Sao Paulo in Brazil. I had to change planes, but I had a layover. I wanted to get some food, and I saw, I wasn't sure about the food there in the restaurant I was at, so I asked a, a guy about, uh, I saw a, 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 what looked like an American talking with a waitress fluently in Portuguese. I said, well, maybe I'll ask him about the food. And he said, oh, the food here is okay. I'm getting it right now. You'll be no, no trouble. So I sat down to talk to him, and uh, I find out the reason he spoke fluent Portuguese is because he was a Mormon missionary. Okay, now I want you to picture the circumstances. It's 1230 at night. I'm, I'm flying back from... 10 days of hard work. I'm just saying, I do not want to talk about God or Jesus or get into any spiritual discussions at all. I just want to eat, you know. But now I'm confronted with a Mormon, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, if I get in a conversation about this, which I should, because here's an opportunity, why, then I've got to commit myself to a long evening of battle, which I didn't want to countenance at that point. And then I realized, wait a minute, I have a game plan. My game plan starts with asking questions. I could just start asking questions, and if I don't want to talk anymore, I just stop asking the questions, spiritual questions about his own convictions. And so I don't. I I can totally control how deep I want to get in this conversation. And the thought that occurred to me is if by using questions, I can get out easily. And if I can get out easily, that makes it easier for me to get in without making a long commitment to a big conversation that maybe I wouldn't be able to handle myself well in. So the concept there is easy out, easy in. And I, um, I think if Christians had this idea that, well, you know, maybe I'm not an expert in all this stuff, but if I just start asking some questions, I'm not vulnerable at all myself. I might learn a few things, might have an impact, but I can get out anytime I want to. That will encourage them to get into more conversations. Well, you'll laugh if you uh, if you know where my brain was going through all of that. When I first started flying attack jets and carrier jets, I always had an ejection seat. And we used to say, <laughs> if you don't like what's going on, you can always just give the jet back to the taxpayers. And it was such a strange thing when I started flying airplanes that did not have ejection seats. I felt totally trapped, totally scared. And friends, what you're hearing from Greg is that being able to just get out of the conversation because you're just asking questions makes it easier to get in. And those are the realistic type things he's offering. Stay with us. We'll be back in the second segment. God's Word says that He loves a cheerful giver. You've probably heard that part of Scripture often quoted when it comes to tithing. Friends, we'd like you to consider your cheerful giving to God through Courageous Christianity. With your tax-deductible donation, you will be helping us achieve our mission to equip Christian men for the spiritual battlefield in order to glorify God and create godly change. No amount is too small. You can make a donation by texting any amount to 281 800 that's 281-800-4940, or visit CourageousChristianity.today. And for a donation of $25 or more, we will send you a signed copy of host Richard Mindelow's book, 
Right Makes Might, 40 Days to Courageous Christianity, a devotional that will equip you in your walk as a courageous Christian. If texting isn't a fit for you, you can also donate and find more information about the Courageous Christianity ministry, links to all the aired shows, a blog for Christian warriors, and an opportunity to submit prayer requests at CourageousChristianity.today. Please donate and be a part of sustaining our efforts in serving our Heavenly Father by serving His warriors on the spiritual battlefield. Please text to donate at 281-800-4940 or visit CourageousChristianity.today. God bless you. Friends, welcome back. You're listening to Courageous Christianity, and we're speaking with Greg Kokel, the author of Tactics and Street Smarts and several other books, and uh, also the president of Stand to Reason, um, just an interesting organization. Uh, here we are given this important mission by God, and sometimes it can be nebulous. And what Greg does so brilliantly is break it down into these useful tools so that when our faith brings us into contact with the world, it's not so scary. And I once told the story about uh, driving along and I said to my wife, I'm afraid of the car breaking down. And she said, what's wrong with the car? And I said, nothing is wrong with the car. I'm afraid of it breaking down because I don't know how to fix it. But if I knew how to fix it, I wouldn't be afraid of it breaking down. And I often think that Christians sometimes step away from the intersection of our faith and the secular world. Instead of leaning forward, we step away because we don't necessarily know how. And what Greg gives us so well is the how. So he has this technique, the Colombo technique, and I think, Pastor Ryan, you're, you have the best understanding of that, other than Greg, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wouldn't go that far. Um, so, again, Mr. Kokel, as you lay out in tactics and also street smarts, you have this Colombo tactic. And no, I'm, I'm not old enough. I wasn't around for the show. Um, but I absolutely love the illustration of, of the detective coming back. Oh, I just got one more question and scratching the head. And, and I love how that blends in together with this idea that you presented in tactics, which is uh, friendly curiosity. And once I read that, it's, it's like a whole new door opened up with yes, because you also talk about in street smarts at the beginning, you talk about this fear that we have and, when Jesus sent his disciples out on their first short-term mission trip, he told them, do not fear, you say, three different times right there. He knew what we were running into. He knew we were on enemy territory. And just like Richard said, you give us very specific, you make it very clear for what, we're, what we can do. And the Colombo tactic is phenomenal. So I, I wanted to know if you would be able to uh, just expand a little bit more on what is this Colombo tactic, the one, two, and three. Absolutely. Sure. By the way, I won't call you Mr. Ryan if you don't call me Mr. Kokel. Okay, deal. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, why yeah. aren't I Colonel Mendelow if he's Mr. Kokel? <laughs> what the? <laughs> uh, okay, so now, um, this this word Columbo, of course, is the name of a, a very famous TV character. Uh, in fact, the number one recognized TV icon of all time, Lieutenant Columbo, who, like, during the 80s, had a TV show uh, that was a 
a murder mystery, and um, he had a very particular way of uh, of solving crimes. And of course, all detectives ask questions, but he was he was really good at it. And especially as you mentioned, Ryan, kind of coming in under the radar and scratching his head, and yeah. you know, and I don't know, there's something about this thing that bothers me, you know. And <laughs> and then you with a stub of a cigar and whatever, and then you and and he didn't look dangerous. Mm. And so this is there's there's a style here. The content is using questions and the style is very mellow, very low key, very relaxed, not on the attack. And that style, of course, put everybody at at ease. And in fact, they didn't really even take him too seriously. They thought he was stupid, but he was stupid like a fox, right? Because as the program moved forward, as he's using these questions, first he's gathering information. And then he's using his questions in a more pointed way. And I call this the Colombo tactic, this very particular way of using questions, uh, because it's so effective and it's so easy, especially the first few steps. Now, in the book Tactics, the subtitle is A Game Plan for Discussing Your Christian Convictions. And even though the book is filled with lots of different maneuvers with different names, like taking the roof off and just the facts, ma'am, and road scholar, and, you know, what a friend we have at Jesus, and inside out. These are all maneuvers in conversation. The core tactic is the one you asked about, Ryan, and that is the Columbo tactic, because that is the game plan. And there's three steps to it, all right? And the first two are unbelievably simple. And they're steps that anyone can use, even if they're one day old in Christ, or they have no theological training, no apologetics training, no evangelism training. But I have learned, I can't go into detail so much here, but I do in the book, um, that just these first two simple, easy questions can have a powerful impact in someone's life. In fact, I have an illustration where just, just the first question really got a waitress in Seattle thinking, okay? So let me give you the three steps, uh, one by one, in just summary fashion, because the third step is what the book Street Smarts kind of goes like on steroids. Remember, Street Smarts is an extension of tactics, but you don't need to get tactics to follow Street Smarts because the game plan is in Street Smarts too. I do a catch-up on that. But the first step is simply, this is what I really want people to fix in their minds. When I find myself in a circumstance where I might be in a productive spiritual conversation, or maybe it's already started, maybe I'm doing a Q&A at a university after a talk, and something is raised, an issue is raised, I do not think about winning them to Christ, I do not think about all these different philosophical, apologetic, theological issues. All I want to do is one single thing. So the first step is one single thing, and that is I want to gather information. Mm. I want to gather information. Now, to military minds, and especially in a combat situation, this is called getting intel. you got to know the lay of the land before you know how to proceed. All right. So there's a simple question that I use that is the best model question to accomplish that. And that question is, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? 
Okay. Now, don't deliver that question woodenly. It's a model question. So once, and I have an accounting in the book of tactics of a witch in Wisconsin that I had a conversation with. And uh, how did I get in a conversation with the witch? Well, she was a vendor, and uh, I was using her services, and I noticed she was wearing this five-pointed occultic star from her neck. And so I asked her, I said, hey, does your jewelry have religious significance? And she said, yes, it does. I'm a pagan. (laughs) You know, and (laughs) off we went. But notice how I was just taking an interest in her jewelry. I asked, essentially, what do you mean by that jewelry? And that moved me forward in the conversation. Mm -hmm. There's hardly a conversation, folks, that I have ever got into, or even a challenge by somebody else, in which there weren't ambiguities that needed to be cleared up before I could move forward. All right? And that's why this... First question is so helpful. And in fact, even if you don't think there's any ambiguities, if you just said, oh, tell me more, help me understand your, your, your point. Oh, the Bible's been changed. Really? How has it been changed? What do you think? Well, so what do you mean by that? Oh, uh, do you take the Bible literally? Well, it depends on what you mean by literally. What do you mean by literally? Do you believe in evolution? What kind of evolution do you have in mind? Um, You know, so I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. What kind of atheist are you? Notice that all I'm doing, very simply at this point, is just getting them to talk about their view, giving me more information. The more information I have, the more I'm able to see if there's any minefields out there. So that's the first step. That's the first more important step. I love that. It's it's all about that. Like I said, friendly curiosity and. Um, you say in street smarts, it's like gathering Intel. And, mm-hmm. uh, as you ask those questions and at the same time, I like how you say in your book as well, uh, if you don't know what to say, shoot up a quick prayer, right? We can't overlook that because this isn't a, a plug and play algorithm on evangelism or, uh, you don't like to use that word, right? We're still submitted to the Holy spirit <laughs> in this, but, but we're learning about this individual that God meant to create. They are an image bearer. And we want to learn more about um, what do they mean by that, either that word or that phrase. And then what is the second step in Columbo once we have asked that? Before you go there, Pastor Ryan, uh, you said something very important. We are learning. Hmm. And when we come, what I'm hearing is when we come to a conversation and we have that listening cap on, we are um, truly taking interest in that person. We're not trying to, as Greg said, we're not trying to uh, get them across the finish line. Right. We're not trying to close the sale. Absolutely. And, you know, if uh, if I may, what I want to do is, before we dig into uh, another big subject as we're coming toward the end of this break, I want to say, friends, this is so important. Uh, In the same way as everything that a Marine does is in preparation for this time and place where they're going to meet the enemy. And we're not necessarily meeting enemies as Christians, but in the same way a Marine gets up every morning and works out and learns uh, what to do with weapons and is just trained for this one time and place, so we as Christians are in preparation constantly in our relationship with Jesus, in coming to him each day in quiet time and the joy and peace that gives us, we are in preparation for this one moment, maybe two moments in a day or in a week, where we are going to have this opportunity to put Mm -hmm. a best foot forward. 
And so what Greg does in his books is help give us uh, tools, immediate action drills, and operations to prepare ourselves for this critical future opportunity where somebody's heart might be changed. Because if you think about it, Jesus transforms us so that we can transform the world. Mm. And so like a Marine must be prepared for that time in the future when he or she will confront the enemy, so we must be prepared for that time in the future where we have the opportunity to shine light, to show Jesus to the world, and to make a difference in someone's life. And when we come back in the third segment, we're going to talk a little bit more about that, and we're going to start with Christy, since she's raising her hand so nicely, and you don't have to raise your hand. Friends, stay with us. We'll be right back. They fought for our freedom and made sacrifices most of us can't imagine, and now our veterans need our help. Hi, friends. I'm Christy Mendelow, Richard's wingman here on Courageous Christianity. You've possibly heard us talking about Freedom Alliance on the show. It's an organization near and dear to our hearts. Freedom Alliance is healing the wounds of war, including the devastating emotional injuries that cause veterans to reject God's love. Freedom Alliance is saving lives and military marriages. They rehabilitate wounded heroes, donate customized wheelchairs to amputees, and provide college scholarships to the sons and daughters of military heroes. I hope you'll join us in supporting our combat veterans by donating to Freedom Alliance today. I urge you to visit freedomalliance.org to learn more about their mission. We at Courageous Christianity know the team at Freedom Alliance, and we've seen them do the Lord's work. They are committed to helping ordinary Americans who've done extraordinary things. Please go to freedomalliance.org to make a contribution that will change a hero's life. Friends, welcome back. You're listening to Courageous Christianity, and we're having an amazing conversation with Greg Kokel, the author of Street Smarts and Before That Tactics. Uh, so enjoying this conversation. I had a lot of caffeine in preparation for it, and I just feel like we could keep talking to Greg forever. Uh, when we went to break, we were talking about his Columbo uh, technique, which has three parts, and the first part is to just gather intel. And what came to mind, uh, Greg, when you were talking about that was uh, Scripture telling us to be as gentle as doves and as shrewd as snakes. And Christy, how does that resonate with you? Uh, well, you know, this game plan idea, I just think from from those of us who are either, you know, one day as a Christian or 20 years as a Christian, we hear that we're called to, uh, Greg used the word evangelize, and it it kind of makes us shake in our boots, right? Uh, and we don't really know what to do with it. And so I love that this is a game plan. And so I'm just thinking about the listeners out there that this is a really doable, um, these are really doable steps. And I'd want to know just real quick the, the remaining two items on the, the Columbo tactics. We heard one. I know there's two more. Yeah, Greg, uh, item two and three. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Richard, you mentioned about being prepared. It reminded me, I think it's a, like a Marine Corps motto or something. The more you train, the more you sweat in training, the less you bleed in battle. <laughs> the more <laughs> you, know? you sweat in peacetime, the less you bleed in wartime. Yeah, there you go. Amen. So um, anyway, and the idea, you know, when I pray, I, I'm in battle, I'm shooting up a quick prayer, like very quick, like help. And then I'm 
focused on what I'm doing based on the training that I've had. And uh, this game plan makes it so much easier. The first step we've already talked about is gathering information with some form of the question, what do you mean by that? And incidentally, if this is all a Christian does for a season, they just become a student of another person's view. Um, that I promise you that's going to make progress for the kingdom's sake, because I've mm-hmm. seen it happen, okay? Amen. But the second step is follows from the first, and that is, after you know what a person believes, now you want to know why they believe it. <laughs> um, and, and so the question here is, some version of, now how did you come to that conclusion, or uh, why do you think that that's the way it actually happened? If you say the Bible's been changed, and now you explain to me what that means, why do you think that it actually took place the way you just described? Um, And there's lots of other ways you can go with this, but now we're just getting the rationale. Incidentally, these first two questions are really simple, obviously, but what's amazing is oftentimes when you ask the questions, you're going to get dead air in response. People aren't going to know how to respond, (laughs) because they don't really know what they mean by what they say. They're repeating other people's slogans. Or maybe they haven't thought through an issue. So be patient with them. These are fair questions. What do you mean by that? How did you come to that conclusion? What are your reasons for that? Why do you think that's the way it happens? Tell me more. Tell me more. Notice in these first two steps, you're still in student mode. Okay. Mm. The third step, and this is the focus of Street Smarts, and I won't go into detail here, but I'll just mention it. Now we are going to go on the initiative to make a point. We are going to use questions to make our point, and we're going to use them in such a unique way, and this is one of the valuable things I think about Street Smarts, is by using questions, we're going to actually enlist the person who disagrees with us as an ally in pointing out their mistake. Wow. And uh, to take too much time right now to explain how that works, but uh, that would be the third step. First step, gather information. Second, Find out the reasons for a person's point of view. Third, now make a point, but keep using questions Mm -hmm. to do so. And there's tremendous detail on a whole bunch of topics and and, sample conversations and anecdotes and all that in the Street Smarts book to help you see how that works out, actually boots on the ground. I love that. Thank you so much. Uh, Friends, this is real stuff. And so... um, I'd like to go to another place, if we could. Uh, We said that if you know you can get out of a conversation because you're not making statements that you got to prove, you're just asking questions, and if you need to, you can stop asking questions, which I said was like me pulling the ejection handle (laughs) and saying, I've had enough of this airplane. Another let's, thing let's that, let the government pay for it. Yeah, give it back to the taxpayers. <laughs> that was and, good. Uh, give it back to the taxpayers. Another right. thing that I love is a lot of times Christians don't get involved in these conversations because we feel like we got to close the deal. We feel like we got to make a sale. We got to get this person over the finish line and win a soul for Jesus. And you talk in the book about just planting a pebble in their shoe, but right. But that is part of this larger strategy, which you, t- you call gardening. So if we think right. about this intersection of faith and the secular world, here we've met somebody, and we don't actually have to sell them or close them. We just have to 
prepare the soil. And maybe there's a seed to be planted. Maybe we never even get to planting the seed, as you say. Can you tell us a little more about gardening and then spade work? Yeah. When people ask me, what are the two biggest mistakes that Christians make in evangelism? Uh, The first one is they don't ask enough questions. We've already covered that. The second one is they feel an obligation to close the deal. Now, the reason they feel that is that all the evangelism training that we've been given is harvest-oriented. Every booklet that you've given that you might use, and they're good, I'm not against them, have a prayer to receive Christ at the end. And the thing is, if you don't get there, then you haven't done your job. That's the idea. But people don't realize there are no altar calls in the Book of Acts or the Gospels. None. Nobody in either place is invited to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. All right? And these are, in the book of Acts, these are the people who Jesus himself trained. Wow! That really, you know, surprises people when I say that. And what is going on in the book of Acts? What's going on is not harvesting that an individual evangelist is... Um, coaxing out of the audience, all right? No altar calls. It's a harvest that happens because of good gardening, all right? And if you look at even Acts chapter 2, the sermon there in Pentecost Sunday, you see a very powerful sermon given by Peter. There's lots of apologetics in it, a lot of reasons that he gives. But when he lays all this groundwork out in that one session, the people respond. Hmm. In other words, after fashion, they harvest themselves. There's no call for an altar call. There's no altar call when Jesus is talking at the woman at the well Hmm. in John chapter 4. There's no altar call when Peter is talking with Cornelius, and all those people start speaking in tongues because they get the Holy Spirit, because they believe. Peter's in the middle of a sermon there in Acts chapter 10. He didn't say, hey, wait a minute, I haven't got to the altar call yet. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) That's Because that isn't the way they did it. What they did is gardened, 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 gardened. And then the harvest took care of itself because the Holy Spirit is the one bringing the harvest actually in. And once we realize that and stop worrying about getting people to sign on the dotted line, okay, Mm -hmm. closing the deal, swinging for the fences, whatever metaphor you want to use, and we start focusing on doing some a little gardening here and a little gardening there. Paul planted, Apollos watered, God caused the increase. That simplifies our enterprise so much, and it takes all the pressure off. When I make this point to audiences, I have people come up afterwards, they say, you have set me free, right? (laughs) Because they've been under this burden of a different witnessing model that actually is historically kind of new. The decision ideology, whatever, and it has its place. I'm not putting it down, but it's only about 150 years old. You don't find it in the New Testament. And people are then given tools to garden. As as Jesus said, John chapter 4, after the woman leaves the well, he tells his disciples, some sow and some reap. And you are about to reap where you did not sow, so that the one who sows and the one who reaps can rejoice together. And a long time ago, I realized I'm not a reaper. I'm a sower. I'm a gardener, not a harvester. And so uh, all of my efforts are to encourage people, because I think most people are gardeners, to just learn how to garden. 
and the biblical metaphors planting a seed, to me that's too gentle. <laughs> I don't want to plant a seed. I want to put a stone in their shoe. You know, I want to, and I tell that to secular audiences. I want you walking out of here annoyed in a good way. <laughs> you know what's uh, what, what comes to my mind, Greg? That's so amazing. Is I never thought of it, but in asking for somebody to sign on the dotted line, so to speak, it's like we're walking up to a seed and saying, "I want you to bloom." Well, hold on, yeah. Turbo. First, you got to <laughs> plant me, and then I got to grow, and then I need watering, and then there'll be a vine, and then there'll be a That's bud, right. and all of this. And so, friends, what you're hearing here is so so cool, and my mind is just going a million miles an hour, partly because of all the caffeine <laughs> and partly because this is just so brilliant when finally we can start dissecting this intersection of faith and the secular world instead of it being nebulous and scary, and we can say, hey— just ask some questions. What do you think? Well, it's interesting talking about planting a seed is too gentle versus uh, the pebble in the shoe. I can think back when that seed was planted with me, two people, and I've always mm-hmm. referred to it as a mustard seed. Uh, mm. It took a bit of time to get there, and I'm still on my journey. Um, but perhaps if it was a pebble in my shoe, I would have gotten there more quickly. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. And here's something to think about, friends. In Acts chapter 8, verses 30 and 33, we know Philip encounters the Ethiopian eunuch. And mm-hmm. he has been sent there, and he comes upon this chariot, and the Ethiopian eunuch is reading Isaiah. And even though he's already reading Isaiah, Philip still doesn't approach him with a close in mind. He approaches him with a question, and he says, Do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian replies, how can I understand unless someone explains it to me? And so I love the opportunity that we have as Christians in this fluid, loving way to prepare the ground, plant some Mm -hmm. seeds, and so forth. And just so you know, there are now 444 million Christians in Africa. And it all began with that one Ethiopian eunuch. Friends, we have an amazing opportunity. Stay with us. We're going to wrap it up in the fourth segment. Recently, Ryan Reed was a guest on Courageous Christianity, and we want you to know more about his jiu-jitsu gym. Gracie Jiu-Jitsu is a place where you'll find good people and great jiu-jitsu. Whether you are training to learn self-defense, to get in shape, looking for a new hobby, or want to compete, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu in Huntsville, Texas has something for you. Log on to GracieUmaitaHuntsville.com to learn more and to get your two-week free trial. Log on to GracieUmaitaHuntsville.com today. Did you know that about 25 million Christians don't vote consistently? That's about one in three Christians, and that's a staggering and unfortunate amount. Many Christians stay home on Election Day because they think their vote won't really make a difference. But what if 90 million Christians stood united for Christ? We could have a real influence on our nation. God's Word clearly calls us to bring the influence of our faith into every aspect of our lives. We here at Courageous Christianity, along with My Faith Votes, want to see Christians boldly standing united for Christ. My Faith Votes is a nonpartisan organization that mobilizes and equips believers to pray unceasingly, think biblically, and vote in every election. Now is the time to join with us and My Faith Votes to pray, think, and vote in all future elections. Go to MyFaithVotes.org to learn more about voting your faith and to stand united for Christ. In his arms he'll take and shield thee 
Friends, welcome back. You're listening to Courageous Christianity. And I'm so glad that Corey brought us back in with that song because what we're talking about here is the love and the joy that we have in Christ, the peace that we have when we bring all that we are and all that we aren't to the foot of the cross and how it's from that place that we want others to know about him. And so this is an idle chit-chat. This isn't us trying to be right. It's not us trying to make a point. It's us wanting more than anything for people living in darkness and in struggle in this lost world to know the light of Christ. And so Greg Kokel has done a beautiful job of helping us to take the intersection of our faith and the secular world, the place where we meet people and have this opportunity, he's taken that apart and he's made it uh, something that we can understand. And so, Greg, how do our listeners find your books? Well, uh, of course, the easiest way is to go to Amazon.com, <laughs> you know, and uh, both books, the Tactics book and the Street Smarts book, which, by the way, is subtitled Using Questions to Answer Christianity's Toughest Challenges. You can get those both on Amazon, or if you want, you can go to Standard Reasons Bookstore, you go to str.org, and then there's you know, drop-down menu or whatever, our bookstore, and you can buy it there as well. So either way, um, don't tell my, my team that I suggested somebody go to Amazon. <laughs> They'd rather have you go to SDR.org. <laughs> but sometimes it's just easier to have the book tomorrow if you order it there. And we've been using kind of military metaphors because of your background a lot. It's, it occurred to me that in combat situations, you've got ROEs, right? You've got rules of engagement. And those are meant to help you know how you're supposed to proceed under fire. You have that information already in you, so you don't have to make it up as you're going along. And that's a lot of what uh, the tactical approach at Street Smarts does, is provide kind of rules of engagement so you know how to proceed under fire. And I find that's a tremendous benefit. Absolutely, because if we are preparing our hearts and our minds for this upcoming intersection, this upcoming opportunity, then if we have some uh, techniques to build in decision time, to build in the opportunity to assess whether or not this will be profitable to the kingdom of God, because don't forget, friends, between Matthew chapter 10 and Matthew chapter 20, There were times when Jesus walked away. There were times when he provoked conflict. And there were times when he didn't walk away from conflict. And Mm -hmm. so we have each of those opportunities at every intersection, and we're going to use Columbo Steps 1 and 2 to gather information and then to... uh, Oh, ask <laughs> ask why the people think that, and all of that helps us identify where we are, whether it's a profitable opportunity. And then, Greg, uh, we talked about asking questions in Colombo Step 3 to ultimately make your point, and I wonder if you could give us an example of that. Yeah, sure. In order to do that, in order to use questions to make a point, maybe to answer a challenge, uh, or maybe to challenge another person's view, Okay, you have to know what your point is going to be. So in the first two questions, you know, that's inquisitive mode. It's very simple. You don't have to know anything fancy. You're not challenging anybody at all. That's why it's so safe. Okay, easy, even though you will make progress for the kingdom just using those first two steps. But now you want to go 
potentially be in a position where you want to make a point for the gospel. You have to know what point you're making. So if you're dealing with atheism, for example, if you're going to show why atheism is false, you want to know why it's false before you could use a question to make that point. And I have chapters in street smarts. I have three chapters on uh, atheism. I got two chapters on abortion. I have three, two chapters on Jesus and two chapters in the Bible and on marriage, sex, and gender. So there's all these areas that I educate the student in, the reader in, and then offer the dialogue that follows, okay? So the example is this. I know one of the most powerful arguments for God and against atheism is that the universe had a beginning. Now, Christians believe that in the beginning God. So does the rest of the world, Big Bang cosmology. Now, a lot of Christians are not comfortable with Big Bang cosmology. Uh, don't worry about that. Here's the really the important point. All that shows is that they believe the same thing that we believe is the universe had a beginning, yep. okay? And this presents a great opportunity for us to make a case for God being the author of that beginning. And um, and here's how that dialogue would go, all right? And I've had this a number of times, University of uh, Toronto, famously, for example, with an atheist after Q&A after a talk. And he asked me about proof for God or something to that effect. I said, do you mind if I ask you a few questions? He said, no, go ahead. And I said, and I said, the first few are pretty simple, okay, but just play along with me. All right. I said, do you believe that things exist? And he said, yes. <laughs> okay, so do I. <laughs> Second question. The things that exist, whatever they are, have they always existed? So now that's a question about whether the universe is eternal or whether it's temporal, whether it had a beginning. Now, I know how he's going to answer. He answered, no, the universe had a beginning. Uh, the whole everything came into existence at the Big Bang. Okay, got you there. I agree with you, too. Everything came into existence at some point in the past. Okay? <clears throat> Notice how I've asked two questions, and with I've got two answers, and in both cases, I agree with him. So we're on the same page. Okay, so now I say, here's the last question, and this is one that really matters. And incidentally, this whole dialogue is in Street Smarts. I said, what caused the universe to come into existence. And by the way, I'll make it easy for you. There are only two options, either something or nothing. <laughs> either something caused it or it was uncaused with no purpose, okay, and no reason. So what do you think? Okay, now he's stuck with two options. There's no other logical option, by the way. And he doesn't want to say something because he's an atheist. All right. Um, and any kind of thing that's adequate to causing the universe will have to be smart and powerful and personal. And that's too much like God. So he doesn't want to go there. But what is his only alternative? All he's left with is to say nothing caused the universe. It just came popped into existence. Well, I make the point, well, that's that's worse than magic. Or you might make the point, oh, so you believe in a miracle. Notice it's a question. So you you believe in a miracle. I love that. We both believe in miracles. All right? But which miracle is more reasonable? And that's what I'm after here. That's what I'm after. Um, is it more reasonable to think that someone caused the universe who's capable of causing it, or nothing caused it? Where do we see things popping into existence out of nothing? In common experience, we don't. Okay, so my argument now at this point is, which one is the most reasonable? Hmm. Someone 
or nothing. Something or nothing. Well, obviously, the most reasonable is something, because nothing is worse than magic. In a magic, I love you have that. A, person pulling a rabbit out of the hat. In this case, you don't have a hat and you don't have a magician. You just got the rabbit coming out, the universe. So there I'm making the point. One other thing I want to share about that. Very simple series. And I'm just trying to show my view is most reasonable. But I've done something else. I've enlisted the other person as an ally because I have some questions that allow him to put things on the table. Yes, things exist. No, they haven't always existed. They came into existence at some other time. I don't have to argue about that with him. Yeah, he thing, already affirms it because absolutely. I asked the question. And then that sets up my response, which points out our view is the reasonable one, not yours. There's a stone in your shoe. Very powerful. I love that. And uh, the thing about atheism that's bizarre to me is people still define themselves in terms of God. And so uh, I've never understood it. But friends, either way, uh, the truth is there's a God. He created everything, and he loves us. And everything else is our heart's response to that love. And that's the truth. And it brings us to our moment of truth, which today comes from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And they say... All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Friends, in Street Smarts, Greg says, in the body of Christ, different people have different gifts. And you've heard me say, we each have a different place on the spiritual battlefield. This passage of Scripture and these ideas express the same truth, which is that we are God's workers. Our sermon at church this week covered the passage in the Bible which says that the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So whether you're a gardener or a harvester, in love, with compassion, we must want people to know the joy of Christ. And our job is to help them in that direction, not to prove them wrong. Friends, All of this calls us to get involved, leaning forward in faith at every opportunity. And I'm certain that if you explore the concepts that Greg's discussed and written about in his books, you'll feel better equipped and more confident to lean forward and to accomplish your critical mission to make disciples and to teach the ways of Jesus. And that's courageous Christianity. So, Greg, I just want to thank you so much for sharing your time with us, for your beautiful books, and for your amazing heart that obviously wants so much to share the love of Christ with the world. Well, um, Richard, Christy, Ryan, you guys are great, and I had a lot of fun. And uh, it's it's a pleasure to chat together with other uh, comrades in arms in more senses than one. So it's been great to be with you. Amen. And Pastor Ryan, thank you for being here. And thank, thank you for, you for introducing me. me to Greg. Absolutely. Well, I mean, a part of my job description is to equip the saints, and uh, Greg Kokel has made that very easy. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Friends, thanks for joining us today. We hope you'll join us each and every week here on 100.7 FM KKHT, The Word, in Houston, Texas, or at kkht.com, where you can live stream the show, or on your favorite podcast app, or at courageouschristianity.today where you can listen to previous episodes by podcast. We are honored to walk with you in Christ. God bless and Semper Fi.
Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.